We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back to another episode of the pack a day podcast you can get all your pack a day updates by following us on twitter at pack a day podcast and remember you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play tune in stitcher or spotify and of course you can always check us out over at cheeseheadtv.com I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig and Maggie Loney. We are super excited to be here for this very special episode to break down the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft. You guys, it is super late. Um, How are we feeling? How are you guys doing? Yeah, normally I sing to people on draft night, right? (laughs) It's the most wonderful time of the year. And from a neutral perspective, what a great night, right? Like lots of cool trades. Um, tons of stuff going on, but from a Packers fans perspective, I'm, I'm, I'm left a little confused. Um, but I'm sure we're going to talk through some of those things as we go. How are you doing, Maggie? It's weird, honestly, to be on video. You know, the three of us normally just hop on after the draft and we yawn and we swear and we figure things out, but (laughs) we can't really do that with this show. Um, but yeah, what a what a night one. Vegas really kind of lived up to the hype, I think. I'm excited to see what's in store for night two. It was a really fun night uh, just to take it all in. But we're going to talk about what the Packers actually did with their selections here in just a second. But so much of what was available to the Packers was impacted by what happened early in this draft. Of course, wide receiver was kind of the talk of the town, right? Uh, Packers fans insisted this is going to be what the Packers do. It's the elephant in the room that they need to address with Devontae Adams and MVS walking out the door. But as this draft really played out, the top four wide receivers, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, and Jamison Williams, They're all off the board, right, by pick 12, which I think is even early for maybe what a lot of people were expecting. But uh, those guys come off the board really early, shaped really what the Packers were able to do in this draft, I think, and maybe what they were hoping to do. I wanted to throw something to you guys just a little bit before we got into some more of the draft. I mean, one big thing that happened during the draft wasn't even a pick at all. It was this A.J. Brown trade going to Philly for 18 overall and their third rounder 101. So, you know, obviously a big part of that is the Eagles being willing to pay that contract. But in a in a market where the Packers are looking for a wide receiver, what did you guys think of that trade? 
I mean, I think personally, it's just it's kind of an interesting dynamic right now that we're seeing the league evolve with teams that are able to pay for wide receiver talent and then the teams that need to draft it. And at first, when I just saw the pick swap, I was I was kind of confused why the Packers wouldn't be in on that. But then when I saw the guaranteed money that he was getting from Philly, it made a lot more sense. Yeah, I think, you know, we're we're seeing all these wide receivers getting paid, and I think that's problematic if you also have to pay your quarterback, right? That's the trend across yeah. the league. Yeah. If you have to pay your quarterback, like the Titans do with Ryan Tannehill, and debate that all you want, but they have <laughs> so to. Gotta pay They're not going to be able to afford a guy like A.J. Brown, not at $25 million per year. What was more fascinating to me was the fact that the Ravens somehow got a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown, uh, who is not quite on the same level as AJ Brown. Um, I'm not going to be honest with my assessment of Hollywood so far. Um, but yeah, I I felt like the Cardinals really overpaid there. And now they're going to have to pay Hollywood Brown too on top of it. So um, yeah, that that's fascinating. Good for Philly. But hey, you know, you got, you got a guy on a rookie contract as a quarterback and they're not even necessarily sold enough on Jalen Hurts that he might be a potential second contract guy so they definitely have the financial flexibility to make a move like this yeah it certainly feels like the financial things in this deal were probably obstacle for the Packers if they were in on this at all Maggie mentioned you know those guaranteed dollars 57 million guaranteed in that new deal in Philly for Brown but I guess the moral of the story is if your last name is Brown you're worth trading a first-round pick for, I guess, this year. Guys, are we ready to jump into what actually happened at 22 for the Packers? No. Let's do it. We're going to do it anyway. Um, the Packers did get around to, to pick 22, and we're on the clock there. Lots of talented players left on the board, right? Kind of interesting to see how this is all stacking and falling together for the Packers. Uh, just not receivers, right? Like, that's the reality. Uh, with the 22nd pick, the Packers did select... Quay Walker, the linebacker from Georgia, was the selection there. You guys want to talk about this and unpack it a little bit? Yeah, of course, the Packers came up to bat at pick 22, and Jermaine Johnson was sitting them uh, square in the face, and then they took him. That was great. I I really appreciated (laughs) that Jermaine Johnson is going to be a Green Bay Packer, and I'm going to move forward with that reality. Um, But, yeah, so... Quay Walker, uh, this is a tough one for me personally, as as I may have alluded to already several times. Uh, Quay was my linebacker seven overall player, 74. So um, didn't quite see the buzz that he was getting as a potential first round pick. And that certainly existed. I even kind of made it made a joke before the Patriots were picking uh, to my friend who is here watching the draft with me. And I, I was like, The Patriots may take a swing at somebody like Quay Walker because he's that versatile linebacker that I think they could fall in love with. Um, I did not think this was going to be an option for the Packers. As we talked about when we had linebackers a week ago, we didn't think linebacker was going to be anything the Packers would come even close to considering. And then especially when you factor in that Devin Lloyd is on the board, uh, this became even more difficult for me to understand. But This is what I saw when I watched Quay Walker. He's a really good athlete. He's big. He's long. He's a good tackler. But he does struggle in processing and reacting to run plays. Um, He's got all the skills to be really, really good in coverage, but needs some technique improvement. Um, I thought he was just going to be a really, really fun developmental guy. And I still think that's very true. Um, I get the pick to a point. He's a really, really versatile defender. He's going to cover tight ends. He's a good blitzer. 
But with Jermaine Johnson on the board, I, I really don't understand the pick. He He's a non-premium position, and he's not the best linebacker in this class, even if I'm the one that's severely undervaluing him. So I don't mind taking him, but why at 22, right? Like the, the, optimist, the optimist in me says, crazy athlete, young, he's going to have an immediate role as a coverage linebacker and blitzer and a special, team, special teams player. I just didn't necessarily see the value with him with the board as it's stacked at 22. Yeah, there were other players. You mentioned Jermaine Johnson, you know, that was falling down the board, and it feels like that may have been the value. Uh, seems like the Packers had their eyes pretty much fixed on Quay Walker and um, and a design that they have for this defense. The pick is relatively shocking in some ways, I think, uh, but in other ways, it's kind of not. First, of course, it's shockers, shocking because the Packers, they don't value linebackers, right? Or this has at least been the tradition as of late or for a long time, I should say, right? I think we've seen that shift in philosophy has taken place really these last couple of years, maybe just even this year uh, with Joe Barry coming in. First, the Packers paid Devondre Campbell, right? Uh, now they spend a first-round pick on a linebacker. It seems clear that the days of thinking that you can just get by with these average athletes at linebacker probably over in Green Bay. Their actions are certainly demonstrating that. And for that reason, I'm kind of excited uh, because – Quay Walker is not an average athlete. He's got that 4.5 speed, and he boasts a 9.63 RAS score. So uh, Goody's staying consistent with the freak athletes. And, oh, by the way, Quay is also pretty young. He turns 22 uh, in a little over a week, but uh, just just a hair under 22. So Goody's trend of picking 21-year-olds on draft day kind of continues there. Yeah, I, I'm going to echo what Andrew said. I think my favorite part about this this pick was that we spent our entire Inside Linebackers show going, we're just going to blow through these names really quick because there's no way the Packers are going to take an Inside <laughs> Linebacker. And then they did that, um, which is why none of us have jobs at 1265 Lombardi. Um, but I to me, this is just a, a peak Joe Barry pick. Like, this screams Joe Barry influence, you know, his pedigree with coaching Inside Linebackers. We know the evolution of NFL defenses. We've seen a lot of teams try to replicate what teams like the Buccaneers have with Devin White and Levante David. So if you have Devondre Campbell already, who can kind of do it all in the middle of the defense, and you add a guy like Quay Walker, who has the speed and the agility to go sideline to sideline, he's a thumper, he can cover tight ends, he can get after running backs. You know, I'm excited about what that could mean for the middle of the defense. I just think it's interesting, you know, like you guys have already said, the value there. If it were me, I think I would have swapped the Packers' first-round picks, and it would have made a little more sense, which is interesting because Brian Gutekunst at the podium was talking about how once they took Walker at 22, they thought they were completely out on this player at 28. So Mm. interesting they valued them that high. That is very interesting. Let's jump in and talk about that second selection because Maggie's uh, kind of hinting at who that was. (laughs) Of course, uh, the Packers did have pick 28 as well. So it wasn't too long uh, that they had to wait there. Once we, you know, we're trying to make sense of, of the Quay Walker pick. They're back on the clock. And with that 28th pick, they took defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt from Georgia. So again, um, for different reasons, maybe an unexpected selection. Let's talk about this one. Yeah, I think all the Twitter jokes about like, hey, you lost Devontae Adams, at least you can get Devontae Wyatt really came back, you know, 
to, to rub in some Packer faces. But yeah, I put this on Twitter as a joke, just that Green Bay, you know, starts their sales pitch with like, hey, you want to keep that G on your helmet? Because we've seen it now with Eric Stokes and then two first round picks this year on the defensive side of the ball out of Georgia. Um, but to me, the Wyatt pick just really kind of reinforces what we've seen Goody do in a lot of his tendencies so far as the GM where, you know, he signs a veteran and then he pairs them with a rookie. We saw it with Darius and Preston before he drafted Rashawn Gary. We saw it with Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage. We saw it with even, you know, Devondre Campbell and Walker. Now we're seeing it with Jaron Reed and Devonte Wyatt. Um, I know everybody now is saying, okay, you signed Sammy Watkins, so go after a wide receiver, but we'll get <laughs> yeah. there. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I do think the most shocking thing about this pick might be the age of the player, which seems like it should be insignificant. But when we're talking about Brian Gutekinds and his tendencies, this is a big one. And Wyatt is 24 years old. And so that is certainly a huge exception for Brian Gutekinds and this Packer staff. But they brought Wyatt in for a visit. They obviously liked what they saw when he was here. It's certainly exciting that Kenny Clark is finally going to get some help along the defensive line. This is not a small addition. This isn't even, you know, it's exciting that Jaron Reed is in, but this is a very different kind of an investment when you add that first round pick. So uh, Wyatt is Dame Brugler's top ranked defensive lineman. So getting that player at 28 feels like good value. Obviously, if the Packers were considering him at 22, they felt the same way. And a lot of people in this draft community had talked about how there's a pretty steep fall off from some of these guys that are your, your number one, number two defensive lineman, and then those guys that are in that next tier. It's a pretty, pretty steep cliff there. So the Packers made it a priority. Make sure they got one of these guys and maybe got the best one in Devontae Wyatt. Yeah, and so, you know, you mentioned where Dame Brugler had him. I, I had Wyatt as defensive lineman three, but my overall player 25. And a little peek behind the curtain, when I'm doing my overall rankings, I take into account positional value as well as age. And so Wyatt got docked on both of those mm -hmm. things and still managed to be my 25th overall player. Wow. So I really did like his film yeah. a lot. Uh, he's a penetrator. He has excellent quickness and agility. He plays with a really good effort. Not, not necessarily the strongest guy at the point of attack, but he has just sufficient strength. He does get pushed around a little bit by double teams in the run game, so he's more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of player, but the Packers already have block eaters, <laughs> so um, that's good news. He has counter moves um, that I think are pretty good. Needs a little refinement improvement with his hand punch. I, I did hear today a really interesting one. Somebody compared him to Warren Sapp. Uh, and I'm not sure I'm ever going to love hearing <laughs> a comparison to a Hall of Famer, but Wyatt does provide a ton of punch as a pass rusher. And I think he has a skill set to be really stout against the run. And the one thing that just crossed my mind is, I guess if you're going to take a risk on an older prospect, it helps to be at a position that has a little bit more career longevity like defensive line does, right? Like we think about offensive linemen, defensive linemen typically can, the really good ones at least, play deep into their 30s. Um, and so, you know, you, you look at what you're getting from Wyatt right away and then also potentially, you know, hoping that he can be a second contract kind of player as well. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see him step in there and be the help along the defensive line. One of the questions, I think, was production with him. I don't know that he had maybe the sack numbers and those kinds of things. A lot of people have talked about how that defensive line in Georgia was kind of asked to maybe maintain their gaps and those things a little bit, and maybe a little bit more penetration ability is going to come for him in the NFL, which we've heard the Packers talk about their desire to 
you know, get a little bit more penetration help up front and those kinds of things. So some fun to look forward there. I think really pretty, um, we're pretty surprised that this draft went the way that it did, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of things to be excited about. But uh, we did want to just take a few minutes and talk about some of the other things that happened around the league and highlight some of our favorite picks or team fits and then we're not going to let everyone off the hook though we're, we're also going to talk about some of the head scratching decisions that were made in round one as well but uh, let's start with the positives guys uh, Andrew what were some of those favorite picks of yours from round one yeah I could almost pick the Baltimore Ravens every single year but uh, for me getting Kyle Hamilton at pick 14 is absolutely peak Baltimore. They just wait for some great player to fall in their laps and they get my number one overall prospect. You're like, yeah, they have Chuck Clark and they have Marcus Williams, but you can get a guy who does absolutely everything really well. Um, I think Baltimore just absolutely knocks the draft out year after year. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, I love what the Jets were able to do. That's probably the one that sticks out to me the most. Um, they were able to grab Sauce Gardner uh, at four, and then they took Garrett Wilson at 10. And I preferred Sauce as the top corner over Stingley, so getting him a pick later is pretty Pretty great value. I, I like the length and the competitor that Gardner is. And then Wilson was my top wide receiver. So when you combine those two things, I think you're pretty excited. But then they came back into the first round and they landed Jermaine Johnson, who we've already talked about um, on this podcast. It's kind of a wondering maybe that was a good selection possibility for the Packers. They got him at 26. So Sauce, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson is quite a haul. I think you're pretty psyched if you're a Jets fan. 
Yeah, Robert Sala probably cannot contain his excitement right now. And I, I would agree. I've been most impressed with the Jets so far, for sure. But I also hate when anybody in the NFC North does anything even remotely good. And I think that the Lions are having, you know, an all-star draft. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson falling to them at two. You know, the Michigan kid gets to stay and play for Detroit. He's going to be a focal point of their defense for years. You know, he seemed like a consensus number one overall pick on a lot of big boards, uh, so that's that's great for them. Scary, I guess, if you're, you know, any other offensive line in the NFC North, but good for the Lions. And then, you know, they traded up for Jamison Williams and they may have stolen the best wide receiver in this draft class. So Dan Campbell has to love the way that this roster is starting to take shape. And, you know, especially thinking about an NFC North that, you know, arguably behind Green Bay is pretty wide open. We don't know the Vikings, Bears, everything's kind of up in the air with the way that they're building their rosters. So Lions could be contending this year. Yeah, it's interesting when you think about the Lions, because I think when they started this rebuild, every team that's bad starts with like, hey, we're going to rebuild. And then some of these bad culture teams a year in, they start reaching for the players they had in the quarterback too soon and they, they rush that rebuild. But it kind of seems like the Lions have committed to a pretty good blueprint here for getting this team back on track. So I'm with Maggie. Um, I live in Michigan, so there's a lot of buzz <laughs> about what the Lions can be. And every year it's that hopeless attitude that they have towards their team. And I, I think there's a lot of things that they could be uh, hopeful about going forward as Lions fans, but hate to see that. <laughs> um, um, those are the things that we love, guys. What about the selections that kind of had us scratching our heads that just really didn't add up for us? So besides Quay Walker at 22? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not supposed to say that. Oops. Yeah. Um, no, I, I actually thought the worst move of the first round wasn't necessarily a player that was picked, but the Vikings trade back like they absolutely got fleeced by the Lions. They traded down 20 spots, 20 from 12 to 32. And they all they got for moving for that was moving up 12 spots in the second round. Right. They didn't even get a, a second round pick alone. They only got to move up 12 spots and then a third round pick. That is absolutely horrific value and I know there are not a lot of buyers in this year's draft for like moving up we, we keep hearing that about you know in the first round uh, not a lot of teams willing to um, move up with all the demand for teams that wanted to move down but they lost out on a ton of you know a potential additional quality players who could have helped and they didn't really get much in additional uh, draft capital so I have to question that decision big time. When when I first heard like the Lions traded all the way up to twelve, I I actually said, "Oh no, the Vikings are about to get a huge haul on day yeah. two. and they just didn't. They didn't. So I I don't understand that one at all. Yeah, they started the the picks with Lewisine, right? So they're added a good player here at the end of the round. So I mean, you like the the addition, but it's so strange that it's a within division trade too, right? You see weird things but happen, man. What, they got what? Lewis seen, but they could have had Kyle Hamilton. Right. So you're gonna look yeah. like, like what? Like what, what yeah. is that? Right. It just, their board must be, they think that there's value here. Like, cause they picked 34 too, right? Like they, they have, they have 34. Yeah. So they're targeting a couple guys here, but I mean, that's a great point. Like we love Lewis seen, but man, can you go to bed at night knowing that like you passed over Kyle Hamilton to take, you know, that's, that's, that's an interesting <laughs> conundrum that they, that they face now, but my goodness. Yeah. The interdivision trade thing is weird to me too. Cause that's a huge, huge pick swap. And to do that with 
a brand new manager, general manager there in Minnesota is certainly very interesting. Um, for me, I would say uh, the Cole Strange pick for the Patriots. Um, it just seemed like a huge reach. The Patriots do what the Patriots want to do. They've had success for decades, and so people don't question them. But that's one that, I mean, even even the networks were just having a hard time justifying, like, why that had to be the pick right there. So uh, that seemed like a pretty big reach. Yeah, I think they showed the Rams front office and when they were doing their presser when they saw that pick and they mentioned that they were going to take him in, like, the fourth round. <laughs> you know, so, like, just to see where every other team yeah, yeah. had that value. But, again, Bill Belichick does what Bill Belichick does, and, you know, he's always been that way. But, yeah, to me, I think the most surprising pick um, was Drake London to the Falcons. And it's not that London isn't a fantastic wide receiver. Him and Kyle Pitts are going to be really scary for whoever is a quarterback, whether it's Marcus Mariota or – Jordan Love or Baker Mayfield, <laughs> whatever happens, Jimmy G, um, the rest of the weekend. But I just thought that they go with like a more pressing need. I mean, they had 18 sacks all season. So with guys like Jermaine Johnson on the board, you're like, okay, maybe they're going to take an edge rusher. And they didn't do that. So I guess that kind of though segues into what we're going to talk about next and all the guys that there are still available in the next couple rounds of the draft. Yeah, absolutely. We had a lot of fun tonight, but the draft has really just begun, you guys, right? We have to keep perspective. There's a lot of picks left. Uh, tomorrow's day two, right? Rounds two and three, and Packers currently have three more selections tomorrow night. We did not get rid of any of those this evening, and so they are at 53, 59, and 92. And there's a lot of talent still left on this board, right? So before we wrap up the show, we want to talk about uh, who might still be available for the Packers that they find interesting. Uh, so, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Who are your top players that are still on this board at this point? Yeah, so uh, on my board, I have player number 11 still floating out there, cornerback Andrew Booth Jr., who we heard some whispers might be sliding a little bit. Uh, of course, we only had the one quarterback on day one, and so uh, Malik Willis is still out there. He was my 16th overall prospect. Desmond Ritter is my 18th. We got defensive lineman Travis Jones, who I had as DL1. It seems a little far-fetched that the Packers would would invest a day two pick <laughs> in another defensive lineman, but you never know. Uh, wide receiver Christian Watson was 22 on my board. Edge David Ajabu is 27. He'll be a fascinating study to see where some team is willing to take him coming off of that injury and being as raw as he was. Uh, safety Jaquan Brisker still out there, so he's that like fourth big safety. He was my 28th player. Edge Boye Mafe was 29 for me. Uh, wide receiver George Pickens was 36, and Edge Logan Hall was 39. And that's not even to mention some some other players like the Kobe Dean, who are a little bit lower on my board, but certainly would look to go in round two tomorrow. Yeah, so again, tons of talent left in this draft, and we have to remember that the draft is seven rounds. So we're really just getting <laughs> started. Uh, so, Andrew, let's set the table for who's left. Um, let's make some predictions here. Let's, let's get into what we think is going to happen what are the Packers going to do, right? We haven't touched wide receiver. There's a lot of positions we haven't touched. Edge, you mentioned some of those guys. Who are we expecting the Packers to take as we turn to these second and third rounds? Yeah, as soon as I saw six wide receivers go off the board as quickly as possible, and honestly, for me, it was a big four. Um, clearly, it sounds like the Packers had value, uh, a first-round valuation on, on around six of those guys. So when those were all gone really early, um, I, I kind of thought they would move into that second tier and just wait until tomorrow. You have wide receivers out there like Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens. You're likely to go in the early to mid 
part of the second round. So I do expect the Packers make at least one aggressive move up the board tomorrow to acquire whoever their choice is as a second round wide receiver. Yeah, I said that I would be shocked if Green Bay didn't, you know, go for some combination of edge, wide receiver, and safety on night one. And here we are with the Packers taking an inside linebacker and a defensive lineman. Um, But I really will be shocked if the Packers end night two without addressing wide receiver, edge, and safety. Because I think those are still, you know, some big needs. And I know the Packers don't draft for need. They draft for best player available, which you can argue that they did night one. But, you know, there's a lot of talent left now in the second round. There's kind of a saturation point that I think we're going to see, like Andrew said, the Packers are going to need to move around if there's some players they like. You've got edge prospects like Logan Hall, uh, Boyamafe, Josh Paschal's still there. Um, three of the top safeties left, you know, with Kyle Hamilton. And then, unfortunately, Dax Hill and Lewis Seen with the Bengals and the Vikings. So, we've still got, you know, Jaquan Brisker and Jalen Petrie is there. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think wide receiver edge safety um and they're gonna have to trade up to get you know i think the value in some of those guys this defense is just totally loaded now i know we have our questions right about the investments that the packers made tonight but at the same time like they retained a lot of talent on this defense that maybe we thought would be moving on maybe you know especially devondre campbell and then they've added infusion uh to that so it's just gonna be really interesting to see how that that all gels and this defense can play at a really high level. But at the same time, I think we have to really think that now day two becomes about the offense, right? Like they have to make some investments there. And it's really hard for me to see them leaving day two without that wide receiver, not out of panic, but really out of necessity in a lot of ways. Um, they did their draft prep, right? And so they knew the scenario could play out where these guys were off the board. It was surprising, as Andrew just said, like they might've had first round grades on six of these guys. And it turns out those guys were all gone. And so the scenario's played out. They're moving on to day two. And so Andrew's mentioned a few guys, right? Watson, Pickens, Sky Moore. I think John Mechie and Alec Pierce are a couple other names to keep an eye on, even in even in a second round there that they may consider. But it feels like day two has got to be this pivot to the offense after giving the defense a couple of big additions in the first round. Yeah, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packer Day Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit. You can find Maggie at Maggie J. Loney. And you can find me at Andrew Merzik. Remember to also follow at Packer Day Podcast. Please consider subscribing and, and giving us a rating if you like what we're doing. Of course, we're also joining you on the YouTube stream today, so <laughs> we're excited about that. So whether you're listening or watching, um, thanks, thanks for doing so. Um, you can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself on the audio stream every Friday. And next week, we'll be back breaking down some of the Packers draft picks. But please make sure to check out the rest of the team tomorrow and Sunday, breaking down what Green Bay does in rounds two through seven. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Go, go, go!